0: everybody. Hello, Councilmember Guerra. Mindy, it looks like we have a quorum. We can start anytime. That is correct.
1: We do have a quorum.
2: So Chair Harris, as soon as you're ready, we are ready to proceed.
0: Thank you very much, Madam Clerk. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the August 11th meeting of the Water Committee of the City of Sacramento. Will the Clerk please call roll to make sure we have a quorum?
2: Thank you, Councilmember Ashby. Here. Councilmember Gatta. Here. And Chair Harris.
0: Here. Very good. Um, well, all who can join me in the pledge? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, thank you very much, committee members. It looks like today is mostly information. I don't believe we have any action items. Is that correct, Mindy? Mindy is on mute. Okay, so we're good. All right. Can we start with the first item, please?
1: So that would be uh, Wes with the update on the state water board process.
3: Welcome, Wes. Thank you very much. I'm just going to uh, pull up the slides. One moment, please. all right hopefully that's visible to everyone good afternoon chair harris vice chair gira and council member ashby it's a pleasure to be back with you today i'm Wes band outside water council for the city of sacramento we typically cover these topics for these committee meetings and i'll do the same here but today i'll be even more brief for two reasons one the voluntary agreements are stalled Uh, there's not discussion happening with our voluntary agreement at the immediate moment because of litigation between the federal and state governments. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. As far as the State Water Resources Control Board's formal process uh, for the water quality control plan update, there's not currently a public timeline on when or how that process will move forward. Of the VAs are intended to be the substitute for doing a formal process. So they are intertwined. You know, As a brief refresher, the control plan update process seeks to protect all beneficial uses. And it's basically the state's regulatory mechanism for regulating uh, different beneficial uses while taking into account all, whether it's fish, wildlife, habitat, municipal and industrial, or irrigation, among others. And it focuses on the Sacramento and the San Joaquin River watersheds. Now, just a uh, couple of weeks ago, the governor released a final version of the draft water resilience portfolio, and in there, it's about a 150-page document, uh, including appendices and his executive order, and among those things, voluntary agreements are identified uh, as being a current priority, and then there are more or less implementation proposals, as the document calls it, for helping... Uh, identify how state water, or excuse me, how state agencies can help uh, water users uh, work together and basically diversify the water portfolio. And so through that discussion of the document, voluntary agreements are repeatedly identified. I personally see that as a positive. It's showing that there still might be something there for the voluntary agreements, just we're not very active with it at the moment. We've touched on these slides before and I'm happy to take any and all questions now or later, but. I don't intend to necessarily get into too much detail here, but the groundwater substitution is really what the city of Sacramento's contribution would be as among the flow measures, which mean the water flowing out of Folsom and down the lower American river and making its way to the Delta. The voluntary agreement also includes non-flow measures, which would be local projects here on the lower American river for spawning and rearing of fisheries. And these items also work hand in hand just like the formal regulatory process with PAs, substantively here, having proper release flows and temperature management marries essentially the quantity and quality of water that not only creates more supply reliability, but also better conditions for the fish. So back on October or in October of 2019, the federal government adopted what's referred to as biological opinions. Biological opinions heavily influence how the United States Bureau of Reclamation operates its reservoirs, and of course Folsom Reservoir is a Reclamation reservoir. And shortly thereafter, about four months later, during February of this year, uh, the state sued alleging that the biological opinions are deficient uh, among a whole host of different things, but essentially saying there's not enough protective measures in there for endangered species, specifically fish species. And because the voluntary agreements have those flow and non-flow measures, uh, particularly non-flow for habitat, it put, it, it put the process basically on the sideline. And so that's where we are with it right now. Uh, I always like to try to end on a positive note. So my positive note would be that city representatives do continue to look for opportunities to be uh, really cooperative and collaborative and continue good working relationships with both, both federal and state partners. So with that, I will pause there and stop the share so that I could take any questions you might have. So
0: uh, any questions from committee members? I have one, Wes. So has COVID affected this in any way that you're aware of?
3: No, not not that I'm directly aware of, which is ironic because it seems to be affecting so many other things. Now, the court process was probably slowed down and it's still in its infancy as best I understand it. Uh, but the courts have developed ways to, much like how we have, to still get business done. So I think we're a long ways from that being resolved if it remains in court and federal and state governments don't settle um, and hopefully we're out of COVID soon so that doesn't become another influencing
0: factor. All right, thank you, Wes. Appreciate the update. Thank you. So Madam Clerk, let's move on to the next item.
2: Your next item is the 2020 water transfer update. Good afternoon, Chair Harris, uh, and members of the water committee. Uh, this is Brett a uh, senior engineer with your department of utilities. Let me, um, I also have a short presentation here. So we just wanted to take a couple of minutes of your time and update you on uh, a project or an activity that the Utilities Department is engaged in right now. It's our groundwater substitution transfer. Uh, just by way of a reminder, uh, the intent of the groundwater substitution transfer is to make surface water available for those who are currently uh, in need or, or lacking sufficient amounts. Uh, the project partners are six different agencies in this region. Uh, you've got the City of Sacramento, partnering with Sacramento County Water Agency and saxe Water District. Uh, Fair Oaks Water District is already also participating, um, as is uh, Golden State and uh, Carmichael Water District. Uh, typically, these are, these are spot markets that occur depending on the you know, hydrologic conditions in the state. Uh, that will also uh, tend to drive the pricing here or there. I think in the 2018 transfer, the water market was $400 an acre foot Uh, This year, we settled on a $350 acre-foot price of water through the first three months of the transfer, at least. So the city's role of the full 18,000, a little over 18,000 acre-feet from the region is is the majority of the water, and we're doing this through uh, a series of partnerships. We're certainly using our own wells. Uh, We're increasing production from those wells uh, and leaving that surface water in the river. Um, we've reduced any surface water diversions to one of our wholesale partners. That would be Sac Water District. And we're also receiving a significant amount of groundwater right now through existing inner ties. This would be with Sac Water District and the aforementioned uh, Sacramento County Water Agency. So just a reminder, uh, the water is going to the state water contractors. Um, the map is there's too much detail to see. I just thought I'd highlight the, the general regions here, which is, you know, central or south central uh, uh, part of California. Now, these are predominantly agricultural uh, customers that purchase water from the Department of Water Resources uh, through their canal system. Uh, just an image that I that I that I've seen before and I enjoy. I thought this group might find it interesting. This is the Harvey Banks pumping plant. So the lower part of the photo is is really uh part of the Clifton uh for uh, four bay, which is really the Delta. So this is that grade, and that's where they're lifting the water and placing it into the state's canal system to eventually move down to the southern parts of California, central or southern parts of California. So we're underway now. Um you may recall actually it wasn't that long ago that City Council uh, considered the action. Uh, we, were, uh, we were authorized to enter into these agreements and begin this work on June 16th by Sacramento City Council. Uh, just after those hearings, uh, the Water Board considered our petition, uh, what our plan was, and approved that on July 6th. Uh, the Department of Water Resources uh, approved our participation on July 8th, and that allowed us to immediately begin transferring the surface water to those buyers. Just to get a sense of, of how we've performed to date, uh, on, on the left side of your screen there, you'll see a you know picture of the city of Sacramento, of course, that we're all very used to. Um, our city wells in, in red, are just you know they are vastly located up in the northern part of Sacramento. Uh, the two red uh, blue squares you see there would be our two water well treatment plants. The way we are participating is. Uh, Those uh, groundwater wells up in the north, uh, we're increasing the production of those by about 10 million gallons a day right now. Uh, The other two would be about 15 million gallons a day from Sax Bourbon. Uh, Those arrows roughly identify the location of that inner tide. And then in the very south part of the city, uh, we were receiving about 6 million gallons a day from the water agency. A couple notes I, I wanted to point out. You know, we... We focus on you know this, the amount we're transferring or, or which wells are running, but but in in the eyes of the folks who are working on this, there's really an opportunity for multiple benefits. Um, up till now, this first month, 2,400 acre uh, feet were transferred, so that's a, a revenue opportunity certainly for the project partners. Uh, but there's other benefits too. That water provides ecosystem benefits; it stays in the river during drier conditions. And of course that water is going to you know farms and, and farmers and, and jobs in, in Central California. This work is gonna be continuing for some time. Uh, right now we're approved to uh, transfer this surface water through November of this year. But there's still a few remaining agreements to work on. Uh, the latter part of the season, October and November, there's a supplemental agreement with the buyers Uh, DWR still has to clean up a few details for the Conveyance Agreement. The Conveyance Agreement is is really their way of tracking the water, the rulemaking. Um, We're going to agree to do the monitoring that we're already doing and and prepare reports uh, identifying how the basin responded, that we're still protecting the aquifer and and any other users of of groundwater. I also thought this was a good opportunity to, to brief this committee on uh, something we're doing with the 2018 water transfer uh, revenue. Um, We generated about 1.8 million during that transfer and it was identified for reinvestment into the city's groundwater infrastructure. We had an opportunity last year to file for a grant, with DWR, for additional groundwater resiliency work. They were looking for cost share. And so the city identified the 1.8 million and has just recently been approved for that grant application of one million dollars for further work and then finally the the 2020 revenue as we identified in the city's uh, staff report city council uh, our intent is any revenue we generate here will be again primarily reinvested in groundwater infrastructure and i'll stop for questions
0: okay committee members do you have anything you'd like to ask Well, hearing nothing, uh, I'll go ahead and ask a couple of questions. Brett, um, the benefits to the city of Sacramento are, are pretty much monetary, correct? I mean, we'll gather revenue to be able to work on the wells, but it looks like you were at, you were able to leverage that against a grant, which was pretty significant.
2: That is correct. I, I do, though, with the city, um, and you'll hear later on in this presentation, uh, later on, for some of our work with the Water Forum, Um, certainly if you're looking just internal to the city limits uh, the the city is generating revenue to reinvest in its groundwater infrastructure certainly Um, but you know we also are supportive of the idea of you know if you can leave this in the river this is our conjunctive use policy that we have in our general plan Uh, if by our actions we can also leave water in the river when it's most needed I think there's a real benefit there
0: yeah I agree so um You know, this is evolving over time, and like you said, we could extend the agreement and sell more water, correct? That Um, is correct, yes. The only concern, and certainly this is a concern of constituents, is at what point do we acknowledge that this is a dry year and maybe we want to switch gears from groundwater to using more surface water? There's a lot of factors here, monitoring the aquifer, uh, supplying a good amount of water to our citizens, but also the quality of water is a factor as well. Well, water tends not to be as high quality, I think, as treated water from our treatment plants. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of balls in the air here that, that we're juggling. At what point, um, you know, this is shaping up to be a dry year and it certainly is a hot year. We're coming on to a heat wave next week. It's gonna be pretty big. Uh, you know, at what point do you start thinking, maybe we won't do that extra water transfer, you know, late in, late in the season, because it's optional?
2: So, we, well, the entire transfer is optional. You know, when we enter into these agreements, uh, there's no mandatory performance. Uh, one of the aspects of this we've wanted to be careful about is, is our own consideration of a COVID response if we needed to consolidate our employees to say a surface water treatment plant rather than monitoring those wells, we wanted to make sure those protections were in there for, for those employees. So there are off-ramps from today through the very end of this. The difference uh, for the last two months is is that the last two months are are really newly recognized as being uh, having the potential for groundwater substitution transfer, that transfer window. One of the reasons for that is that the interest from the agricultural community for that water is reduced. They're not necessarily planting or irrigating as much at that time. And so what they would be doing is primarily banking that water that they would then uh, pump and extract in the next season for their agricultural use. For, for our own protections, protecting our groundwater basin, one of the things that we we did as part of this Project is to coordinate with our groundwater sustainability agencies. There's a more detailed program in the Sacramento Groundwater Authority region, which is the north part of the basin where the city's wells are primarily located. The water that's being allowed for transfer has been stored or, or banked over many, many years. So the amount of water they have an accounting process, uh, a groundwater accounting program. And the city actually has, at, at this rate, years of stored water. So at this point, there's strong support
0: from the Regional Water Authority and the Sacramento Valley Authority uh, for, for those efforts. Okay, any other questions? And I don't believe we have any callers on the subject, which means we're getting it all right. Uh, okay, so we'll move to the next item, please. Thank you, Chair Thank you, Brett. Your next item is the
2: 2020 update on sustainability and water efficiency efforts yes that's me
1: let me share the screen
0: welcome roshni good to see you
1: okay good to see you all too uh good afternoon everyone uh, my name is Roshni Das, and I am the Sustainability Program Manager with the Department of Utilities. So this update is part of my annual update to the Water Committee on the various um, water efficiency and uh, uh, sustainability efforts within the DOU. Um, we, I also actually touch upon a little bit on the water supply conditions, which was discussed just a few minutes ago uh, by Council Member Jeff Harris. Um, So, yes, it's a dry year. (laughs) I think Council Member Harris touched upon that. Um, The city's uh, water supply, we we touched upon how it's a combination of surface water and groundwater. Um, And the Sierra snowpack is one of our most important surface water sources. The final snow survey of the season um, in the Sierra Nevada recorded 1.5 inches of snow depth at the location, which is just 3% of the May average. Another key indicator of water supply is the Sacramento Valley index, which measures rainfall in the northern part of the state and the index stands at 63% of average. To provide some context, uh, last year was well above average for precipitation, but 2020 is looking more like 2018 in precipitation levels, which demonstrate how our conditions are fluctuating every year. Since last year was the fifth highest snowpack along with the rain, um, in California history, we had started with the state's reservoirs being full with water levels near or above normal. However, with a low snowpack and little or no rain, you're getting into very dry conditions with water levels in the reservoir falling below average. Whether these conditions persist really depends on the coming winter season and how wet and heavy will be. So this is where I look at the supply piece. Um, I also have an um, uh, a piece on the groundwater management, which Brett touched on. This shows the groundwater surface elevation since the 1950s. It shows that um, our groundwater elevation has stabilized and, um, and has actually risen as we have started to conjunctively manage groundwater and surface water, which is good. So now that I've touched upon how our supply conditions are, I'll get into the demand management aspect with our water conservation program. So the state obviously is very worried about the variability in the weather from climate change and has concerns about our water resiliency. So in May of 2018, Assembly Bill 1668 and Senate Bill 606 was approved to create long-term improvements in water conservation and drought planning. The two bills call for new urban efficiency standards, reporting requirements and penalties for urban penalties for violation for urban water suppliers like us by calculating uh, an overarching water use budget. The water use budget, as you can see on the graphic, is a, a sum of aggregate estimated efficient indoor and outdoor residential water use, efficient irrigation, outdoor irrigation of landscape with irrigation meters, water loss to leaks, as well as any appropriate variances for unique local conditions. For example, the indoor water use standard will be 55 gallons per person per day um, or we call GPCD until 2025 and the standard will become stronger over time, decreasing to 50 GPCD by 2030. The urban water agencies will be required to calculate its own target by 2024 and enforcement will start in 2026. Currently, the rulemaking is an ongoing effort and BOU has been actively participating by volunteering in two pilot studies with the state. One focused on indoor water use and the second on water loss to leaks from our infrastructure. We will continue to be engaged in the rulemaking to educate ourselves about the impact of the legislation to the city as well as to provide feedback on the unique local Sacramento conditions. Um, We delayed the water conservation update to see the direction the state is taking with the new legislation. Uh, But since the formal rulemaking is supposed to happen in 2021, we hope to continue our update um, in 2021. The water conservation ordinance has been of interest to the committee and um, we continue to prioritize education and outreach using various marketing channels considering the dry conditions, we are in fact running a small keep um, sack water wise campaign focused on the watering schedule right now. However, it would be very remiss of me if I did not acknowledge the pandemic that we are in and the impact that it has had on some of our plans. We have postponed or canceled many outreach events in and around the community due to COVID. Uh, But at the same time, we were able to pivot and hold online workshops or webinars in its place, which has received some unprecedented attendance and water industry recognition. I believe that this will be a platform we continue to use even after COVID to educate residents about our programs and rebates. In accordance with the water conservation plan, we continue to offer various rebates and are improving them to encourage participation from residents. Overall, the participation in our rebates have been steadily increasing and we have only seen a 10% drop in rebate applications in fiscal year 20 from COVID. This makes still makes fiscal year 20 the second highest number of applications we have received um, in the history of the programs. Also, uh, DOU's partnership with SMART to provide instant rebates on SMART Energy Store continues to be extremely successful. We added more products and sold close to 500 shower heads and 200 aerators just from March of this year. With the installation of smart meters in the city, we continue uh, to notify customers of leak automatically and provide follow-up leak investigations. In addition, we continue to offer water-wise house calls and water misuse investigations to residents. Most of our rebate programs are reimbursement model, which means the customer has to spend the money upfront before they are reimbursed, which can be an obstacle for disadvantaged communities. So we have a couple of these programs that we are rolled out. Um, in March, we piloted a new toilet upgrade program um, called redo the loo for multifamily dwellings in disadvantaged community. This is still a re- rebate reimbursement model, but what we did was we increased the rebate to $250 Uh, to get more participation. The leak-free Sacramento, um, the no-cost direct install leak repair program is going very well. We completed 20 projects uh, in um, FY20. So this is an overall graph of the city's water demand in terms of gallons per capita per day. As you can see, in the 2000s, we had gone close to 300 GPCD. During the drought, there was a huge drop. And the good news is that three years after the drought, we have not seen a huge rebound and the latest demand has been in the range of 160 DPCP. Moving on to our sustainability programs. One of the strategic goals adopted by DOU is uh, a focus on sustainability. Um, It has been an exciting milestone to have our sustainability website go live. Um, And furthermore, we um, provide some updates on our projects. So we have been engaging with um, Civic Spark fellows to build capacity to address climate change and resiliency challenges. The fellowship is an AmeriCorps program run by local government commission. And we use their services to set up um, carbon inventorying effort for DOU with the climate registry, which got us a recognition as a founder of the Water Energy and Access Registry in FY19. And if in, in fiscal year 20, we have been able to address two major projects, which I'll go over in the next two slides. So um, the risk and vulnerability assessment um, for climate change was done using an EPA tool called Climate Resilience Evaluation and Awareness Tool, or CREATE. Um, this tool assists utilities in assessing risk from extreme climate change events, monetized risk assessments are conducted. So um, end of last year, uh, DOU was selected by EPA to receive the training. And due to COVID, we faced some delays, but we are just about wrapping up the uh, training. Our next step is to take the lessons learned from this exercise and to integrate climate adaptation planning efforts within DOU. The second project was the development of the sustainability policy for DOU. This policy, an integrated set of commitments and goals that collectively position DOU to foster sustainable change and deliver equitable water services. The policy will align DOU with global commitments like Paris climate agreement, state policies, legislations, as well as city's climate action plan and mayor's goal of carbon zero by 2045. The three main goals are on carbon neutrality, climate resiliency and equity and environmental justice. The policy further drills down into eight focus areas with definite commitments and tactics to meet the overarching goals. We are in the process of collecting stakeholder feedback on the policy and hope to finalize it in the coming months. Once the policy is finalized, staff is planning to develop a sustainability action plan to create a roadmap to achieve these goals. And that concludes my presentation. Thank you, and you can go to my water pledge. This month is when we are celebrating my water pledge. So please go and pledge to save water.
0: Thank you, Roshni. Uh, Really interesting information. Committee members, any thoughts?
2: Mr. Chair. Yes, Uh, go ahead. Thank you. I just wanted to thank the staff, the amount of work that you've done with public education, um, not only in my district, but others and getting the word out into communities about the, um, uh, how to fix leaks and, and particularly in a lot of the disadvantaged communities greatly appreciated because at the end of the day that puts a little more jingle in people's pockets and so first I just wanted to thank for being thoughtful about getting across the city and clearly the numbers that you showed show the benefit of uh, even in dry years now as we're in here the benefit of, uh, of how better uh, as a city as, as, a, as a community we're managing our water so I just wanted to say thank
1: you for that and for being out there for constituents
0: when you have questions. Thank you, Council Member. Clara. So, Roshni, I, I do have a question for you. You mentioned 50 GPCD by 3030. Is that for indoor use or aggregate use in the household?
1: That is by That is for indoor residential water use by 2030.
0: Okay, so that's a significant cut from where we are now which indicates that we'll have to conserve an awful lot of water, correct?
1: We are doing pretty good overall. Um, we have to drill down. So this is where the pilot that study that we are conducting with the state will help us understand where our actual water, indoor residential water use uses. Mm-hmm. The, the trouble with uh, understanding that number is because our meters, you know, calculate both indoor and outdoor at the same time. So we don't have that disaggregated data. So the pilot study that we are doing with the state, we hope we'll get an idea of where our water use on the residential side is.
0: So, you know, I think myself, the city needs to be a more active player in helping people conserve water. And here's an example directly related to COVID. So I have a constituent who is a, a, a landowner. He owns a commercial building and his, one of his tenants had to close his business due to COVID. Well, unbeknownst to either of them, their toilet was running on, and over the course of three months, they incurred a thousand-dollar water bill. I mean, it didn't flood the building; it didn't, didn't uh, you know, cause them physical damage. But had the city been more proactive and seen a very large jump in the water bill, we could have alerted that constituent and said, "Look." You know, we're perceiving that you may have a leak. Something's going on. Now, I know that some jurisdictions do this. uh, And I would suggest, and this is actually a suggestion to DOU, that we, that you come back with some kind of program where we can monitor uh, problems like that developing. You know, if we leave it all to the consumer, I think we will waste an awful lot of water. So it's kind of a give and take. I would like to see us be a little more proactive in helping our constituents to achieve water savings.
1: Yeah, council member, we do send out automatic notifications if there is a continuous water use for 24 hours, five days a week. And this could be, um, so this letter letter goes out. This is where our free um, letters go out to the residents notifying they may, may have a leak. We are not sure on the um, these uh, commercial sites but you know there can be dropped ma- emails and that's where some sometimes they don't uh, see our communication coming through and our online platform also has uh, a capability to, to set leak alerts but i i get it i know sometimes these communications are hard to you know get out there um, the our leak our free leak investigations are aimed at helping these customers um, identify where the leak is happening but you know, there's, there's always things we can improve and we'll definitely try to pay more close attention to that.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. You know, my neighborhood is uh, pretty much the last project receiving water meters in the city and uh, I welcome it. I think it's great. Uh, what a great teaching tool for people to understand what their water use is and what their habits dictate, uh, especially as regards irrigation and once more, I feel compelled to plug smart meters because, you know, I tell you, smart irrigation is the greatest thing. You can, you can keep plants alive with a fraction of the water that most people believe needs to be expended to have a beautiful lawn or just a successful landscape. I see Councilmember member Garrett grinning from ear to ear because he's got a smart controller. And, um, you know, I think he would agree that it is really a fantastic tool. So since we are going to get into an area of mandated, you know, of restrictions where, you know, n- more than goals at some point, we're going to say, you know, folks, we've got to get this down, looking into the future. So these are great tools. And um, I would like to thank you for all your work, Roshni. I think you're doing a great job.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Council
0: Councilmember Hedges. And Mindy, uh, do we have any callers on this item?
2: I have no callers
0: on this item. Okay, thank you. We'll move on to number four, please. Water Forum agreement update.
4: Thank you, uh, uh, Chair Harris and, and council members. This will be a short update. Um, Ann's gonna bring up one slide. While she's doing that, I just wanted a couple of clarifications or I add a couple of clarifications on the questions that you asked. We do actually have a very robust notification program that tracks people's usage and notifies them um, I'm not sure, and we're looking into that specific instance uh, that okay. you talked about and see what where the breakdown was. There, it could be that we mailed something and they didn't get it. It could be that we just missed it, and so we'll 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 try to figure out what the you know what happened there. Um, and then also just a clarification: the the 164 GPCD that was shown on the graph is a total water usage number both indoor and outdoor Um, 55 gallon initial and then down to 50 gallon is is indoor and yes that is it is still going to be a stretch i mean we're in the process right now of determining how much you know our internal water usage is Uh, but it's something that is going to you're right i mean it's going to take some work there's there's no question about it um I want to just finish up by giving a quick update on the Water Forum negotiations. Uh, We entered into the Water Forum Agreement about almost 20 years ago. It's not due to be officially updated for another 10 years or so, but Tom Goring, who is the uh, Executive Officer for the Water Forum it's going to be retiring in a couple of years and he has it as a personal goal to get this water form agreement renegotiated before he leaves, or at least financially renegotiated before he leaves, which we appreciate because this is a good time to relook at the water form agreement and uh, and update it. And you see a schedule there that this is gonna be about an 18, 18 month process, at least an 18, 18 to 24 month process um, we're working closely with a, a very good facilitator, and we have meetings on a regular basis. The main participants are the um, what's called the water caucus, the public caucus, and the environmental caucus in in water forum. And we have met several times already. For meeting on a regular basis, We've mostly been doing a lot of education to date to get people up. On where we are, and then we're going to start doing work groups that is going to focus on uh, the key areas where we want to come to agreement uh, on this on this new uh, water farm agreement. Um, we're optimistic that this is going to be uh, successful. We're looking forward to continued uh, support from especially from the Environmental Caucus. One of the great benefits of this Water Forum Agreement for the past 20 years has been the support of the Environmental Caucus for almost all of the activities that we have proposed. Um, and so it's big value to us and we're, we're anxious and motivated to um, get moving. So we'll give you um, updates from time to time on how this is going and certainly at some point uh, bring uh, a draft agreement to this uh, to this group to make sure that uh, you agree with the direction that we're going uh, before we would finally uh, bring some some uh, an agreement to the city council for approval um, And that's all my update. I'll be happy to answer. You.
0: Thank you, Bill. Um- yeah, it's going to be sad to see tom leave um, he's a great guy and he's easy to work with so we certainly wish him well as he moves into retirement any questions from committee members well you are a chatty crew today i'll tell you what anyway uh i i'd like to thank staff for these excellent updates you know i mean to me, this is a very, very important subject. And each day that goes by, it gets more and more important and will become absolutely critical a few years down the road. So the work that you're doing now is, is laying the groundwork for a sustainable water future. And it is much appreciated now, I can I can tell you.
4: Thank you, Any Chair. comments and
0: questions? <laughs> go, go ahead, Bill.
4: Oh, just thank you. And thank you for your time um, today.
0: Uh, it's, it's our pleasure any final thoughts from committee members anything for the future things you'd like to discuss silent again okay that's that's rare for this crowd um, thank you all very much I think that our business is concluded and we'll call meeting adjourned thank you, thank you.